Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with the collision of faith in politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country. With a pedal to the metal. With today's edition of The Collision of Faith and Politics. So, buckle up. Here is your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's show. Welcome to the Collision of Faith and Politics. Thank you for joining us. This is the fastest hour in radio commercial free today. My first hour from 4 to 5 was commercial free and high paced. You're going to find today to be very high paced. We're going to talk straight about what CPAC means and more importantly what CPAC means to you. And I need you to tell your friends, we will be off the hook. What is really happening as we spool up to this 2016 presidential election? What about the candidates? Uh, The liberal press says they're Afraid of us running? What what about them? What about the ones who we know we should run? What about all of it? You know, today you're really lucky because we have a very special guest who really knows what's going on in Washington and in the halls of Congress, because she spends well, she still spends time there, um, but uh, she spent decades there, and she's a powerful conservative voice who knows how to work and knows how to win. The Honorable Elizabeth Letchworth, and you're in love her as I know I do, and all the other regular listeners of my show. So tell your friends. You have about uh, six minutes before she comes on with us. So tell your friends. First of all, I want to say um, the chat room is open, by the way. I'm not absolutely positive how to use it, but it is open, so you're welcome to use that. I will respond as best I can. If you have questions uh, for our guest or during the show, uh, the call-in, uh, you can you can call in as well. And we'll try to get to your calls. First of all, happy 85th birthday to the first woman I ever loved, my mother. My mother raised five children, and of course I'm the youngest of those five. And of course I was a welcomed respite from the first four bratty ones. Of course, except for my favorite sister. And of course you knew it was that way, knowing me being all sweet and nice and such a pleasure to raise and all. Well, even though my mom does not have a computer or the internet or phone with buttons. She still has that dial phone from when I was a kid. Happy birthday, old Lou. You're doing awesome, and I love you. And you introduced me to Yeshua five years ago at that old country table. It's still sitting there in the kitchen. And uh, you set me on a course. And, of course, many of the weird twists and turns of that course, you're you're best not knowing. But um, I appreciate it. You provided me a strong foundation and a good hard push into this world. And and happy, happy birthday to you. Good health to you. I'm also praying hard for two of my, my really good buddies. They're fighting and recovering from fighting cancer and recovering from cancer surgery. You both have the best attitude. You're going to win. Uh, you both love God, and 
you know that Adonai is is uh, in your corner and pulling for you. So um, I'm pulling for you too. We all are here. Hey, welcome to all the warfighters and sheepdogs, uniformed and clandestine service, standing on the line for us. Hello to our United States Marines from the Tidewater area and the Army Rangers and Ranger instructors. Appreciate you listening. Hello also to all uh, of the Navy SEALs listening. Uh, it seems that uh, they have a contest. There's an unofficial contest at this show, and it seems the SEALs have taken up a contest. And that is, who can send me the raunchiest question that allegedly I'm supposed to ask you people, or they want to ask me to address? But uh, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to trick me. I'm not falling for it. But I do thank you for listening while you guys work out. Thank you for serving. Thank you for uh, being willing to put it all on the line, uh, making making. You make an account, man, and, and I really appreciate it. And listen, while I'm at this microphone, I will not allow our country to forget about you. I also won't allow our country to forget about the clandestine service. You know, most of you, you probably know somebody who is in the clandestine service, but you'll never know that they were. Um, a lot of people call them spies or spooks or whatever. But the fact is, is there's a whole lot of people out there that they don't put on a uniform. They blend they're in foreign countries. They're they're in bad, bad places. And they're working for our benefit. And you know, when they die, and they do die, when they're killed in action, there's nothing but a little blue star that goes up in Langley, on the wall in Langley. Half the time, their family, 90% of the time, their family didn't even know they were in the CIA, and they never will know. It's a whole lot of people buried in hallowed graves, and you just never know what they were willing to do to protect you and your family and our way of life. But we do know about the Gold Star families, and you're the fraternity nobody wants to join. However, I want you to know we treasure you here at this show. I stand with you. America, there's people in your own town who've lost children, spouses, parents, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, in these wars that we're fighting right now. Pray for those people. Pray for those people. Look for opportunities to serve them and to serve with them. Important stuff. Do you know who they are? Like you don't you gotta know who they are. You've you've gotta know. You've got to find out who they are. It's so important, critically important. Know who they are. They're in your town. Listen, America, we made, we, I'm a veteran, and, and I felt like my hometown made a promise to me when it was time to go off and, and do our thing in the military that you would have my back. Well, we made the same promise to these Soldiers that go overseas and, and fight on our behalf, and when they're killed in action, their family's left behind. Do you know who they are? It's our job to know. As Americans, that's our obligation. Listen, our feckless government's not going to do it. They're not going to do it. 
tell you something. These Gold Star families, they're real heroes. They're real heroes in your hometown. And their families, the families of the lost, the families of the heroes that were lost, they're doing heroic things. And talking about heroes doing heroic things, heroes who raised heroes, who gave their very lives. Listen, special shout-out to the great Gold Star families across the United States and volunteers. A lot of people say, why don't you support this or that organization? You're a veteran. You're, you know, you're involved in these different things. Why don't you support this one? And I, and I do support them uh, in many ways, some of which I support with money, but uh, a lot I support with time and doing different things. And But I have to tell you, these three are, are very important to me because I'm close friends with those that are behind it and many of their volunteers. Uh, I'm not saying they're necessarily better than any others, but um, they matter to me, and I see the work that they've done firsthand up front, up close. And I can tell you the Michael Strange Foundation, America's Mighty Warriors, and For Our Son, and Operation 300. Listen, Charlie and Marianne Strange and the Hill Groups and Sean and Angie, you guys are all patriots. You put the U in the United States of America. Debbie Lee, Karen and Billy Vaughn. You guys are why I do this. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm so appreciative of you. Uh, it gladdens my heart to know that you took such a, a terrible tragedy and turned it into such great things. And your kids in heaven, they're, they're high-fiving Jesus right now. And man, can you believe what they're doing? It's just awesome. Listen, real quick, there's a benefit beef and beer. Beef and beer. I'm going to see what kind of beef that is, too. I think I'm going to that. I'm going to get me some. You better get there early because, look, if I get there, I didn't get to be this size for nothing. You know what I mean? 8 p.m. to midnight on April 11th, St. Dominic's Church, 8510 Frankfurt Avenue. And f- Listen, don't don't freak out if you can't write all this down. And, and please, if you're driving, there's a recording of this that you can play back, by the way, literally a minute one minute after I finish, there's a recording. But there's also all these links on the God and Country Radio uh, Facebook page. So if you go there and you click on sign up, you'll get all that stuff. And we don't sell your name. I don't even know if we keep your name. So I don't know how any of it works, but I know we don't sell anything. Comedian Joe Conklin, man with a thousand voices. Uh, DJ Eminem, I'm not sure if he's peanut or plain, but uh, Chinese auction, 50-50 t-shirt sales. I have a t-shirt. I'll be wearing it there. Signed Philadelphia Flyers jersey. I do not have a Philadelphia Flyers jersey, but there'll be a signed one there. There's going to be some Navy SEALs there. We'll talk about heroes. Our military, they're heroes. They're going to be there. It's only $30 a person. And what you do when you do this, you support their foundation so that they can help Gold Star family members of the 289, I think it's 290 now, fallen soldiers in Pennsylvania and 7,400 nationwide who have been killed in action in the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Here's how you do it. Charlie Strange father of Michael Strange, for whom the foundation is named, and died with DevGrew in, uh, in Extortion 17. 215-983-4470, or his wife Mary, dear lady, 215-779-5495. And listen, the tickets for the March 14th Flyers game, that's for, there's been some confusion here, I think, with some folks, that's for the ele- the one thirty game. It's a 1.30 game in Philadelphia in which the Flyers play the Detroit Red Wings, and that game will be played 
and in tribute to hometown hero Michael Strange. The all you do to get those tickets, and you want to get them advance in advance. You want to tell them that you're attending to honor Michael Strange. By the way, Nick Marchesiello. Uh, you call that guy at the flyer sales office, and his number is two one five two one eight seven five two eight. Again, all this stuff is on the Facebook page. You can also uh, download the the uh, playback. This is a podcast. After we go live, it's a podcast. So, real quick, you, you've all heard of crazy things going on in our public schools with the teachers telling students, your children, the students are your children, your taxpayers, and you're paying for it, that they can't tote their Bible or open their Bible in school, even or in uh, recess or study hall. You've heard they can't wear teachers, public school teachers, telling your kid they can't wear this or that T-shirt with a cross or a necklace or something like that, some Christian thing. Or they can't point up to heaven during a a celebration in the end zone after scoring a touchdown. Or maybe they mention Christ. They give Christ thanks in their valedictorian speech. You've all heard it. You've all heard all this stuff. And you're mad, but you felt helpless. You don't know what to do. Well, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, this is also on the link. And if you um, if you download this podcast afterwards, if you miss anything or you want to share it with a friend, just listen to the first few minutes of it and it'll give you all the information. The people at Delaware Family Policy Council, they uh, told me about this great resource, AllianceDefendingFreedom.org, backslash issues, backslash public-education, backslash K-through-12. So if you go to AllianceDefendingFreedom.org, you'll find it on there. Let's talk about a lot of this stuff in my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. Um, Listen, we have have with us our guest. I'm going to have to... Move forward here because she's on a schedule, as you might imagine. She's a very, very busy lady, and we're just honored to have her. I'm honored to call her my friend, but the Honorable Elizabeth Letchworth is on with us, and we're going to talk about uh, the real deal in in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about – I'd like to talk a little bit about what CPAC meant this year. Um, and, you know, we hear an awful lot about these polls and the straw polls and, and all of this and who, who really surged ahead and who did what they were expected to do, but who is a big surprise. And, and, uh, and, and then also this Boehner thing, man, he's, this guy is just, you know, we couldn't, we, we failed a lot this week. There were some failures in, in the, in the uh, conservative side of Congress and but maybe we had some wins but maybe we don't hear about it and uh, Elizabeth thank you for joining us we I always get a ton of calls and letters and emails and smoke signals and all that stuff when you're going to be on because people just love you and uh, they love how you cut to the chase on stuff you tell us the truth and you're so helpful uh, to really help us know so welcome are you warm in Florida I am absolutely loving Florida, Sean. It's almost 80 degrees, and uh, I think you Ooh. probably know, or the, I'm sure the listeners don't know, the last couple of weeks I've been doing a little traveling up to D.C. and then to Texas. It snowed in Texas, canceled our oh. plane in Texas. So I'm I'm as thankful as I can be to be back in sunny Florida where it is beautiful weather. And, Sean, thank you for the intro. I can't thank you enough. And you know what? I know the listeners know this or they wouldn't listen. You do us a wonderful service, Sean. You provide the platform you provide a lot of the knowledge and you know i say it all the time you've heard me say it a million times we live in the greatest representative government on earth you name one that's better you know i always get in these sort of little debates oh i think maybe russia's better we have the best but it's not going to stay the best and it's it isn't really the best 
representative government unless we know what those guys are up to. We have to know what our representatives are up to. And that can mean your House member, your senator. You know what? That can mean your mayor. That can mean your city council person. So, Sean, thank you for tweaking our interests. Thank you for keeping us involved. And you know what? I love doing your show. You're a sweetheart for letting me do it every so often. I'm ready to go. So what do you want to know? Well, tell us about CPAC. What, what is CPAC all about? What's the, what's the real deal on CPAC? Because I know you, you've been heavily involved over the years, and, and you know the real deal. So, Conservative, action, uh, uh, con- Conservative Political Action Committee, CPAC, has been around 20, 30 years, like a gosh, I, I, you know, a, a long time. Let's just put it that way. They are an active group of conservatives that want to affect agendas, they want to talk to like-minded people, therefore they have this convention of, sh- of sorts. But more importantly, they want members of Congress, they want the administration, they want the, the media, hence is why they have it all, all, pretty much always in the D.C. area once a year. They want them to know their feelings collectively. So that's one of the reasons they do the straw poll, which I know the listeners know this, but uh, that's a a, a ability for CPAC members, uh, those that are in attendance, to vote for who they think would be the next president or whatever the scenario would be. That's another way of just sort of collectively saying to Congress, to the the White House in general, to the administration in general, and to, to the media, we have a voice. We collectively speak with this one voice generally, and this is what we're saying. And it's helpful, uh, Sean. It's helpful to members of Congress. It's helpful when members of Congress have sort of general ideas, general questions about where they think uh, the conservative movement might be going on certain issues. It's helpful. And if you, if those that watched any of it or or maybe read snippets about it. They had the likes of Jeb Bush, Chris Christie. They want to hear it all. They want to sort of vet it all, if you will. They want to hear from all the potential candidates. Uh, you know, I, I heard, and I, Sean, you might have even talked about the potential of people walking out before Jeb Bush spoke or something like that. First of all, it didn't happen. And second of all, you know, conservatives aren't so narrow-minded they don't want to hear what other people have to say they may not agree with them probably not going to change their mind but they heard from sort of all of that and then they heard from the conservative talk show hosts sean hannity laura ingram and then they heard from some of the conservative rock stars in in our in our new world some of which people would say might be a scott walker or marco rubio they kind of heard it all they digested it all and they came out with sort of Almost like grade gov in a way, they kind of gave grades, although they weren't necessarily A, B, C, D, or F like grade gov does, but they sort of gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's a good starting point for members of Congress if they're interested in what's going on with the conservatives. It's also a good starting point for the media. If they want to try to characterize them, here's the key. Accurately, they would pay attention to CPAC. We know a lot of the media doesn't want to portray them accurately, hence the crazy extremists, Tea Party crazies, and all of that. But if they want to, that's a wonderful way to figure out exactly what they're all about, who they're all about, what's the latest and the greatest, and report on it. So it's all a function of that. It's, I think it's a wonderful example of representative government. All, it's a giant town hall meeting. 
Let's call it that way. A giant town hall meeting of conservatives. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with anything like this. It, it, it allows us to get our voices out, so I say amen to it. I enjoyed watching a lot of it, and it, I learned a lot. John, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about a couple of candidates. So, I, again, it's all part of us staying on top and knowing what our representatives are doing, what one of these guys or gals might be as a representative to us one day. It's all a learning process. So I say amen and bravo to it. Is there anybody that, uh, by the way, you mentioned Great Gov, and I and I, I don't want our listeners to miss that great reference. That is your baby. Can you tell us real quick before we talk about what uh, your impression of and, and maybe who was a standout for you? I don't really care who was a standout for media because media is they have an agenda there. But yeah. but I'm curious to who you were impressed with and who you think we need to really keep our eyes on and maybe throw some support to. But tell us about Grade Gov. Okay, gradegov.com is a free web website, Sean, and I always try to make that clear. I, I noticed that you made it clear with God and country. You don't sell the names. You don't even know what happens. I don't do the same. I don't do either. It's not about that. It's a free website. And you know what? You go on. You tell us whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. A few other questions just so we can put you in categories. But otherwise, you get to go on and grade your member of Congress. Maybe you don't want to grade your member of Congress. Maybe you love him or hate him. Or her. Maybe you want to grade Nancy Pelosi or Harry Reid or Speaker Boehner. You can grade whoever you want to. And, of course, the grades are the A, B, C, D, or F, just like the grades we got in school. And then it's going to prompt you to write a letter. It's, it auto-writes the beginning of the letter. It does the salutation all the way down to, dear, let's say you're graded to Speaker. Dear Speaker Boehner, I gave you a B today, if that's what you gave. And then you have to finish the letter. I always encourage people to check their spelling because I am a horrible speller. But then push send, and you've just graded and written a letter to the speaker. It gets to him because GradeGov does not use the House or the Senate email systems. Those are just reporting systems, folks. That just sends them a report at the end of the day. You've got four letters on the budget or three letters on health care. GradeGov is diligent on working to try to keep personal email accounts in all of the 535 members of Congress's offices. So it gets there. They see it. But more importantly, it affects their grade on GradeGov. You can pop over there 40 million times a day and go check on who's getting what grade and also see their tweets, see some of the other stuff. So it's free, always will be free. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your foes. It's another aspect of, and I don't want to keep drilling this to death, but representative government. We've got to stay involved, Sean, and, and you help us, and I, I thank you for allowing me to say that. Um, let, me, let me switch to CPAC for a second. Uh, you know who I thought was really, really impressive on so many levels, and he's a little bit of a, of a not known outside of the red middle, middle of our country, and that is Governor Mike Pence. He's a governor mm -hmm. of Indiana. Um, I think you and I have chatted, chatted about him privately before. Mm -hmm. He, um, I thought he hit a home run. First of all, he introduced himself as Mike Pence Christian, Mike yeah. Pence God-loving, Mike Pence conservative, and he means it. I, I love the be one of the best lines, and, Sean, you and I can steal it because it's it's very, very funny. He said, if I had only 12 uh, – I, I think he said only 12 years to live – I would go back 
to be a member of Congress because that was the longest 12 years of my life. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. My, I, uh, I have a good buddy. Uh, I have a good buddy. Doug Sacklaben is his uh, communications director. So okay. kudos to him for writing such a great line. It was. A, did you hear it? Did you happen to hear it? I did hear it. Yeah, it was impressive. Okay, yeah, it's that's that's going to be a good one for him. But anyway, Governor. Governor Mike Pence is a little bit of a rock rock star, and for those that aren't familiar with Indiana, the state, as far as where they are economically, they were dying, economically dying at the beginning of the Obama administration. Governor Mitch Daniels was a Republican and helped get them back on track, and Mike Pence is doing that and more. You know, at one point a couple of years ago, and it may still be the case, if you are a Hoosier, an Indiana resident, you paid Indiana taxes, and they got extra money. You know what they do with it, Sean? They mm. mail it back to you. You get wow. a rebate if they've got if they've managed your money, your state tax money well, and they got extra. They give it back to you. What a novel idea! I love it. Anyway, it, it, yeah, he's a he's a conservative. He's he's a economically fiscally conservative. I I, I just can't say enough about him. Uh, I thought he came out. Uh, as a little bit of a rock star, he's got the whole kind of package as far as the looks and the wife and the, and I don't mean to uh, typecast, but hey, a lot of us go to the voting booth if if there's an attractive package there to go and and cast a vote for. He's just kind of got a lot of it. He's very capable, as I said, been a member member of Congress. Sean, you're going to love this, and I know you know this, but maybe some of the listeners don't. He's a conservative talk show host. Yeah. That that says one thing. He's got the gift of gab. He's capable of thinking very swiftly on his feet. And he's got several years of records that we can go back and listen to if you question where he stands on anything. And I think you'll find him rock solid. So, I, you know, my first inclination after CPAC was over was to thank God that Mike Pence did so well because I think he's going to be a little more of a household name as it as it as he gets more and more known. I don't know if he is actually going to run for president. You know, I think he's putting his toe in the water like a bunch of them. Um, I think his C, CPAC speech was more about putting his, oh, I don't know, his foot up to his ankle now. So we'll mm. see. Uh, but one for folks to watch. Google him. Uh, study him a little bit. I think I think many of the listeners will be impressed, and I think you'll hear more about him. So that was my takeaway from CPAC, Sean. One of these days, I'm going to have him on the show, um, and cool. I can tell you, he's a super nice guy. I've, oh, I've met him absolutely. several times and spent some time with him. Very humble guy. It's it's the same thing I find about Ted Cruz. Very humble, very solid, very real, very approachable. Um, and and you know what they stand for because they don't make a secret of it. They don't make a secret of it, and and that's impressive to me. I I don't care for the couched and nuanced responses that the professional politicians seem to want to give these days and Pence doesn't tend to hold back and I and I love that. That that matters to me. That's a big deal to me. So it should be a big deal. And Sean, part of the reasons why you see so many of them with the canned responses or the couched statements as you said, is their handlers, like your friend who works for Governor Pence, is afraid that he or she is gonna get off track if you let them just sort of speak off the cuff. So they sort of insist that they stay on these Pat answers these these one-liners that, well, that should be a red flag for listeners. And here's mm-hmm. why. If that person, whatever candidate we're talking about, 
isn't capable enough to think on their feet so that they don't trip over their words or trip over their feet or say something totally wrong, then I don't know that we want them representing us in whatever form of government this is. Mm-hmm. That's, so what do you again, think of, just another, what do you think just another sort of way of, of figuring out, do I want to consider voting for this person? Mm-hmm. What do you think of Christie? Uh, you know, there was a lot of hullabaloo with him uh, coming in, and, and it was thought that he was not going to be well-received, and then all of a sudden there was a kind of a groundswell of positive sentiment toward him. Did he deliver? Did he... Uh, you know, I think part of what Chris, the, the 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 draw for Chris Christie, it's the entertainment factor. Right. Seriously, the entertainment. We we want to listen. We want to tell. Oh, what? My gosh, what's the guy going to say? Is he going to chew somebody out in the back of the room? You know that uh, that's part of the draw. I don't. And I guess I'm saying I'm not sure it's a true die in the wool dedicated person that loves Chris Christie. I think part of it is that's that's part of the numbers that he ends up getting gets a little better in the polls because that's he's almost like a, a curiosity factor. Mm-hmm. I think that'll wear off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think that um, uh, I think he's one of those that, that he comes dangerously close to saying things that he really shouldn't say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, apparently he's a nice guy. He's obviously done pretty neat things for New Jersey, given that it's a pretty liberal state. Uh, is that it, Will that work for the United States, in my view, right now? No. But, you know, things can change. But right now, no. I was pleased, again, as we talked at the top, Sean, that, that CPAC didn't, you know, you don't want to boo somebody before they open their mouth. You want right. to be able to listen to what they say. Say you don't like what they say, maybe that's another story. But before they even open their mouth and you don't yeah yeah so i i i was pleased with all of that again i'll i'll say i was pleased with all of cpac i really was now uh one of the real uh you talk about entertainment value is donald trump and and i don't think for a moment donald trump's going to run for president i think it would cost him way too much money uh and i and i think way too much freedom to do it. Do I think he has I think for the large part he he doesn't really say that much. He talks around things, uh he doesn't go uh very deep on anything. He's he's a mile wide and an inch deep, but he seems to be willing to touch the third rails of politics and I and I and I think that is good. I think that we we're going to benefit from at least that getting out there and he's a guy who you know, he's. I would bet my bottom dollar he's not going to run, but he does have a voice. That he has a, a large reach, and when he's speaking, people pay attention. So, what do you think of him? What do you think of what impact he will have on conservative politics in general leading up to 2016? I think you caged that exactly right, Sean. Um, he probably will not run. He's, he would have to give up way, way, way too much, whether it's walling off all of his money and investments and and just freedom from a million other things. I think you're exactly right. But he does serve a purpose, and you mentioned it. He does sort of wake us up to these taboo subject matters, and he gets those taboo subject matters out into the open so that we – Eventually, we'll talk about them. At least the Republicans will talk about them. They need to be talked about, and in debate, they'll end up coming out in some form or another, probably not during the Democrats' debates. 
but during the Republicans' debates. And, you know, whether it's throwing Granny off the cliff, which is the Social Security um, third rail that Paul Ryan brought up uh, in the last budget uh, that they did last Mm -hmm. year in the House of Representatives, and the Democrats sort of made this big deal out of that's what he's doing. Uh, All of that, you're right. He serves – Donald Trump serves a function, and that is to get some of those issues out. So, again, talking to somebody like me, I'm going to say bravo. I'm going to say bravo. That's our system at work. We need to be talking about them. They are huge issues, whether it's uh, the Medicare, Medicaid, draining the federal government, whether it's Social Security, all of that. It needs to be talked about. And if you've got a candidate that – well, i.e. our current president that talks in these platitudes of, of puppy dogs and clouds, and that didn't get us anywhere. We already kind of figured that out. That's why we are where we are. Mm-hmm. He can he can open up the debates, and somebody else can step in and actually get down and dirty with the details, and it will make the Democrats at least try to regurgitate some kind of details. To are they going to fix them? Are they going to ignore them? Are they going to whatever the whatever the deal is? So I applaud him, but I agree with you. <laughs> when it's all said and done, he won't run for president. It'll cost him too much in a lot of ways, not just financially. I think there's another one that you and I uh, have met. I'm pretty sure you've met her and spent some time with her, and I've been fortunate to spend some time with her, um, that I don't think is ever going to run, but I think serves a very valuable purpose, a very powerful purpose in her role and in her reach, and that is Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's always an awful lot of talk about, you know, Sarah, run, Sarah, run, and, and all this. I don't think that she'll ever run. Um, I think that she has such a big, powerful voice where she is now. uh, She can go anywhere and do anything she wants. She commands, uh, you know, very, very high speaking fees, although what a lot of people don't know is a lot of times she will go places for free. She doesn't like that to get out there, but she'll go places for free, and in fact, she'll go and make a huge donation um, to the place and come and speak for free and draw in huge money people paying per plate or uh to to meet her and all these different things they do that to raise money not for herself but for you know the organization so sarah palin what what role do you think she has to play in this uh and is she doing what she should be doing do you think she should be doing something differently absolutely i think she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing and doing it well and that's sort of a little bit of, I'm not polar opposite of of Donald Trump, because that's probably too much of an exaggeration. But she takes our minds and our thought processes and some of the debate even to different places than third rails. Mm -hmm. And she takes them to places, and you know what? We found out she's pretty accurate. Remember, she is, she's the one about death panels. We now know they exist. We now know that they are in the uh, Obama uh, Obamacare legislation, and people have been affected by them, and yeah, they exist. So she serves a very similar purpose, only in my view, obviously bringing up more conservative issues, which they all got to be talked about, Sean. Again, representative government, we have the, uh, first of all, we, we all need to be thankful that we can have these conversations as loud as we want. And as often as we want, and there's so many countries now, and you know that, and the listeners know that, where well, you can't do this. And she just reminds us constantly 
We need to be having these conversations. And what about this? And what about that? I think it's wonderful. I think all of it is wonderful. Some of the pot shots they take at her are unfortunate. I, I think she, she's she got thick skin. She knows that. Her family has thick skin. They expect it. It's a little unfortunate, um, you know, especially when they go after children or they go after a spouse. It's, you know, it's a little, it gets a little ugly. But I think she serves a wonderful role, and I personally agree with you, Sean. She likely will never run because she can do more by the way she's doing it now. There's a United States senator who I absolutely adore. He is very effective. I've been after him for a dozen years. Why don't you run for the leadership? And he's constantly saying, Elizabeth, I can do more where I am. I can do mm-hmm. more not being in the leadership because I don't have to tout the leadership role, you know, the line. I don't have to play exactly by the Republican leadership rules all the time, and I can make more noise and affect more things not being in the leadership. She's one of those. Hmm. Sean, she's now, one of those. Now, you, you've said she a lot because I brought up Sarah, but what about the other she involved? And I don't, you know, Carly Fiorina – I've researched her history, and she wasn't the most successful CEO at HP, at Hewlett-Packard, but she was the first. Uh, She was actually the first female CEO of a Fortune 50 company. Clearly, she knows a lot about a lot of things. Clearly, she's highly accomplished. Ironically, she started as a secretary. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and and she kind of clawed her way up, and, and there's no arguing with the fact that she's a brilliant, brilliant woman. But what really does she bring to the table? Because I don't think most of America really knows her. Uh, what she brings to the table is sort of a little bit of a Sarah Palin coming from a different angle, coming from the business aspect and saying this administration – including almost everybody in it, including our president, doesn't know squat about business, doesn't know squat about commerce. Hence, we're in a lot of the messes that we're in now. I do, and she's never been elected to anything. We've already sort of been down that road. That's why I think she she doesn't really stand a chance, except to bring up exactly what we were just talking about with Donald Trump and Sarah Palin, only it's different conversations. These are business conversations. These are commerce conversations and they all have to come out she's just another angle at that and and sean she did start out as a secretary and and worked her way up i'm you know i'm all about that i started out as a united states senate page at the ripe old age of 14 so hmm. i get that sort of crawling up clawing crawling making your way up the ladder i get all of that i admire her greatly i i have some qualms because she hasn't been elected to anything and, and we've been there we've been there with mm-hmm. electing somebody that was never really elected to anything, and that's dangerous. I I think all of these jobs along the way, whether it's city council, whether it's mayor, whether it's state senator, state house member, governor, are all stepping stones, and, and they all serve a purpose. Does it mean that the top guy or gal has to have been all of those things? No, but it's helpful if they've been some of them. It's helpful if they've been in the shoes of a mayor of a medium-sized city or – or maybe been a state legislator and knows how tough it is to get that stuff done and work with a governor because that now you go in the federal aspect of it and it's just that supersized. So mm-hmm. I, you want people that have had some experience and she hasn't in that respect. So I want her to keep talking about business. 
I love that she was all over Hillary Clinton about frequent flyer miles, but what did she what did she do with the frequent flyer miles other than rack them up? And she's got the gift of gab, so I'd give her a form any time, any day, any way. Um, I, I admire her greatly, but uh, I'm not sure she's 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 the president material that we're really looking for. You know, it's funny, um, uh, maybe funny in a sad, make me want to cry in a beer uh, sort of way, but Hillary Clinton was the least accomplished, Mm -hmm. the least accomplished Secretary of State ever in the history of this country, ever in the history Mm -hmm. of this country. And yet she's heralded by the left, and I I hate to say it, and some on the right as uh, some sort of dedicated public servant. She's... She cares about this country. She's she's worked hard. I don't think she's worked hard for anything but herself to serve the Clinton uh, power base. But, I, you know, I have to say uh, it, it almost seems like uh, her successor wants to be number one and the least effective because this guy, well, they call him Lurch, uh, he – what in the world is he doing? He He's touting their experience – uh, and their and their expertise in dealing with Iran, their successes, and yet here we go. We've got Binyamin, and I don't know if you've ever met him, but I've met him. I was on a radio show with him, and and uh, and I got to talk to him quite a bit. And and I was I've always been thoroughly impressed by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but after meeting him, I was just blown away. I mean, just a, just a real deal. He's an absolute real deal. But you know, again, this country is is. We're in a bad place as it relates to Israel because we can learn the most from Israel, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you look at uh, Jews worldwide. My buddy Jerry gave this to me. In 1948, estimated populations of Jews in Morocco um, was 265,000. Now it's 2,500. This is as of last year. Wow. Uh, Algeria, 140,000. There are zero Jews there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now in, in 2014, in Iraq, 135,000, now 10. And they're not counting the Yazidis there because they've fled to territories which are not known to be uh, Jewish. But the fact is, is is that there's a tiny, tiny percentage there now. 105,000 in Tunisia, now there's only 1,500. In Egypt, 75,000 in 1948, now only 50. Now, you know, you've got Netanyahu coming in, and and obviously they're they're trying to negotiate. The Obama administration is trying to negotiate uh, what I think uh, Hussein Obama wants to be his legacy, and that is some sort of agreement that they can tout as a, the greatest peace agreement ever achieved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this deal with uh, giving Iran uh, nukes. What well, you know? What do we make of that? What do we? You know, I don't think I've ever seen more hubbub over a leader of a, of our greatest ally coming to address the joint session of Congress in in my lifetime. It'll be tomorrow at 11, by the way, everybody. It'll be on, I think it's CNBC and some other places, or C-SPAN, not CNBC. C-SPAN, C-SPAN will carry it. Yes, they will. C-SPAN. Because it is, yeah, a jo- so- it is a formal joint session of Congress, so they will carry it. So I think that's worth seeing for for all Americans, if not DVR. But um, what do you think of this? What? How do you break this down? And and uh, it, it, it's you're right. It's like how do you get your head around? This is our best friend. This is this is the United States BFF in the Middle East, 
and we are slamming the door in it in its face, not inviting them over for sleepovers, not even inviting them over for dinner. When they come in town, we're barely going to see them. It's bizarre when it when it comes to the White House and their reaction. It is literally bizarre. What Speaker Boehner did was absolutely positively within his right a million times over, and I want the listeners to know that. The Speaker of the House is just that, the Speaker of the House. This is a joint session of Congress. Congress is made up of that. I know they know, the listeners know this, of the House and the Senate. Yes, the Vice President is the President of the Senate. He should have been notified, which he was. They shouldn't have had to check the box and ask his permission. It should have been, Mr. Vice President, if you're in town, we're going to have a joint session of Congress because we, the Congress, decided to do this. And we'd love you to be there. If you want to be there, here's the date, here's the time. And, oh, by the way, it's our best friend. So we're thinking you're going to be there. Then come to find out that all of this pushback, it is absolutely phenomenal. Sean, it's just phenomenal. The, the neat thing is uh, uh, Netanyahu spoke at uh, APAC today um, and basically said, I'm okay. I'm, I'm not the thin-skinned guy that, that apparently the White House is. Of course, I'm obviously paraphrasing. And, um, you know, we'll kind of get past this, and, and we're ready to work with, with the United States. We're still friends. We want to stay friends, and I look forward to working with them, and of course he talked about how dangerous some of the stuff the president is is doing and potentially negotiating. But here's the deal with that. I think Netanyahu will do a great job tomorrow. I intend to watch it. I, you're right, DVR it if you're obviously not going to be able to take a peek at it at 11 o'clock. And then watch the Congress, watch the Senate especially, start rallying around, there's no way we should do some kind of treaty with Iran. There's no way we should do some kind of arms pack with Iran. There's no way we should do any kind of nuclear pack with them. And they will push back because I believe this president has lost whatever capability he had to convince Congress of anything. He lost that several years ago. His Democrat buddies, the only reason they're still buddies is because he's able to give them money. And I'm talking about campaign money. Otherwise, he's pretty much told them, I don't need you. I don't really want you. I don't really like you. He doesn't really like members of Congress. It, it's not in his skill set to sort of hang around and talk the talk and walk the walk with him because he never really was one. He was a community organizer. They're polar opposites, complete polar opposites. So he doesn't have anything in common with them necessarily. He doesn't really like being around them. He loves the power of being able to cut them a, a campaign check. He doesn't need them anymore. They don't really need him. So I see them pushing back. If he really, really pushes and tries to get Congress to do some kind of treaty or some kind of official action, they will push back, and this will be a lead balloon when it's all said and done. Whether he wants it as a legacy or not, I don't see him winning it. And that would be a good thing for America, Sean. Oh, I hear you. Now, I know that your schedule is pretty tight today, and you have to go. I wonder if you have time to um, – and this is – one of those things that I that I guess just circles around in my head over and over and over and over, um, the whole thing about several of the Democrats, many of them actually, the list is growing, saying that they are, they're not going to come. Some have been coy and said, oh, well, <laughs> I would come, but I've got somewhere to be, you know, at that time, oddly enough. You know what what about this? They're, they're, I don't want to call it a boycott because it really isn't a boycott, but – 
But what what about it? I mean, what does this mean? And isn't there some sort of obligation on their part? There is. You you said it. You said it. Obligation. Um, yes, there's an obligation. They are members of Congress. This is a joint session of Congress. Resolutions were passed in the House and the Senate to create this event, mm-hmm. and they do have an obligation. Just let's let's take it in a smaller scale. But let's take it all with in the, under the guise of representative government, just like CPAC folks having an obligation. If they're really going to voice their opinion, if they're really going to represent conservatives, then they need to listen to the likes of Chris Christie. They need to listen to the likes of Jeb Bush. They can't boo him and say, I'm not showing up or I'm going to collectively stand up and leave the room. That's really the same thing that the Democrats are saying. So if the Democrats can't do it, you follow where I'm going with that? It's right, all right. about representative government. They need to listen. Now, if they disagree with what he says afterwards, then that's our representative government. But to say they have somewhere else to go, it's 11 o'clock on Tuesday um, and a week when the Senate and the House are in session. You know what? They don't have anywhere to go. They don't mm-hmm. have anywhere to go. So they need to be there. They need to be there. If they don't want to issue a press release afterwards, if they want to be silent, if they don't want to say they don't want to tweet, they don't want to put a Facebook post up, that's all they're under their own power. But they need to be there. I think it's rude. Uh, rude's a, a very kind word. It's more than mm-hmm. rude. They're not fulfilling their obligation, their oath of office, in my mind, if they basically purposely do not go. Because senators and House members, they represent a whole bunch of people whether it's their district or their state. Mm-hmm. And that's, in essence, that state sticking their finger in the eye at uh, Netanyahu. And I bet you that a lot of people in those states and his, in those districts are saying, I don't want to stick my finger in the eye of this man. I want to hear mm-hmm. what he wants to say. You need to go and represent me. Again, all about representative government, Sean. Right. I agree. I agree. Well, I know that you have to go, and it was very gracious of you to, to uh, spend the time with us. Listen, folks, you got to go to GradeGov, and you've got to use that phenomenal tool this great lady has put together for you and for all of America. Really, if you want to make a difference, you start there. Um, and, and in just a second, I'm going to tell the audience another way they can make a difference. But you know, we, we so appreciate you coming on, and everybody always tells me that the flood of comments uh, after you appear on our show is always, that was time well spent. And so I Aww. thank you for being a great investment in freedom and, and for doing the hard work that you do. And, and uh, Sean, thank you. And you know what? Thanks for your friend friendship, buddy. I'm serious. Thank you for your uh, friendship. You do a you do a remarkable job doing this show. Keep it up, and, and I'll try to do it as often as I can. I love doing it. This is a kick. And you know what, listeners? You're blessed to have him. So enjoy, everybody. Have a great, blessed week. And, Sean, I'll talk to you uh, whenever. You give me a holler. Very soon, very soon. Take care, dear. Thank you for coming on. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, folks, there you have it, the Honorable Elizabeth Latchworth, one of the greatest ladies you'll ever have a privilege to to hear from and and to have this venue to where she uh, can talk to us and, and give us the real deal. And I know a lot of you were sending in questions for her, and I really appreciate that. Um, you know, GradeGov uh, is is a phenomenal tool. You've got to go to it. I've spent a lot of time with Elizabeth. We've traveled together. We've done uh, different events and different things. And um, I think uh, periodically she does have a blog talk radio show. 
uh, of our own. It, it's not a regularly scheduled thing, but but it's phenomenal. You can imagine. And uh, so, you know, we're going to have her back on again. She'll be on at least once a month, if not more. So uh, today, my super expensive top executive chief researcher, who is virtually a carbon copy of me and I, were sitting and we were listening to a few minutes of Rush Limbaugh, always a good investment uh, this afternoon. And Rush was talking about a subject that I talk about often from this microphone and whenever I travel around the country and speak. So I was curious uh, on Rush's theory versus my theory. Rush began with Hussein Obama's idea of recalling the amnesty folks who got sent back and uh, allowing them, sent back to their countries, allowing them to stay and giving them their tax credits of $40,000 apiece. Now, I cannot tell you on my first hour show over on TogiNet how many messages I got saying, well, where's my tax credit? Because, excuse me, I've actually paid taxes. Well, here's the thing. These people are getting this tax credit, and they didn't pay any taxes. So Rush went on to discuss how even 10 to 15 years ago, I think he said, our population would have stood up and said no. We would have said no, and we would have stood up, and we would have said, not on our watch. You're not doing that. Voters would have realistically looked at our economy and said, and even really our economy, our foreign policy, all of that, and said, no, this isn't working. We need something new. You guys got to fix this. Or we're going to fix it for you. And they don't care about the media. But here is Russia's theory, and, and I'm and I'm in agreement with him. Russia's theory on why we don't do that. Number one, a large percentage they believe the lies. I, I hate to say this, but a large percentage of the folks on the right even believe the lies. Listen, you can't look at this guy. You can't you can't make a list, uh, and and. And not say, well, clearly, clearly, this guy opens his mouth and lies come out. He, he's an, an habitual liar. Countless shows I've done highlighting the lies. But when the left believes his lies, we know they're on his team. They're like, yay, he's so great. We know better. Number two, Rush said, is the left has destroyed, and I thought this was powerful, the left has destroyed the brand of the right so that people don't believe that there's anybody they can trust. There's nowhere they can go. There's no better ideas out there. The left has plenty of juice to push their believability. They've got the media sewed up. They've got the administration sewed up. They're one and the same. And because they have this juice, they can shut us up. Oh, you're just a flat earth or dumb racist person. You don't know anything of any importance. There's one such guy, and we don't have much time left, but I want to tell you really quick about this guy. One such guy who fills so many cups in the morning on the left and sadly on the right as well with their critical, critical coffee first thing in the morning. That's right, Howard Schultz, Starbucks CEO. This is what he said about Rudy Giuliani saying, look, I don't think President Obama loves America. As an American, I find Rudy Giuliani's vicious comments about President Obama not loving America to be profoundly offensive to both the president and the office of the president. Well, okay, if you feel like that, maybe it's long since time that we should stop drinking the overpriced, bitter Starbucks drinks and stop eating their dried-up, overpriced pastries. Although, I must say, their restrooms are large, they're clean, they're accommodating. 
I think that maybe in the future, maybe the only time I will patronize a Starbucks is when I have to visit their restroom. And I'm sorry for their employees because I am as a light to serve. You you know, you've got uh, immigrant film directors from the stage after winning the biggest award, Best Picture, the Mexican guy, for making their idiot case for illegal immigration. Now, he called it immigration reform, but that's not what it was. This is what he said. He said, maybe next year the government will inflict some immigration rules to the academy. Two Mexicans in a row, that's suspicious, I guess. Then, after he thanked his family and friends, the director of Birdman, which was a, a, a good movie. Finally, I just want to i want to take a second. I just want to take the opportunity. I want to dedicate this award for my fellow Mexicans, not Americans, but Mexicans, the ones who live in Mexico. Another country. I pray that we can find and build a government we deserve. And the ones that live in this country that we deserve, and you heard that, find and build a government. Find and build government that we deserve. Find and build. We have a government here. But they're going to find and build a different one here. And the ones that live in this country who are part of the latest generation of immigrants in this country, I just pray that they can be treated with the same dignity and respect of the ones that came before and build this incredible immigrant nation. Can you imagine? that One of our commenters said something very powerful. Uh, C.A. Living said, I'm guessing that's California Living, the left has used faith to separate the two sides, and now the right has left the strong religion from the conservative narrow, uh, narrative. Absolutely. We become chickens. Listen, my super top-notch chief researcher and I agree that not only has the left destroyed the brand of conservatives, but they've also destroyed the brand that is the United States. They've literally changed what we are, what we do, what we actually take a stand for. I hate to say it, folks, but Likes and shares on Facebook or retweets on on Twitter, that's not taking a stand. I think among many there's just a, a, a just a stunning confusion. Stunning confusion as to what's going on. Look, I stand with Rudy Giuliani. I stand with that twelve year old boy. I was going to tell you more about him, but we just absolutely run out of time. 12-year-old boy who, who stood up. Now he's been shut out of his own face, Facebook, uh, his own Facebook uh, account because Facebook, liberal organization that it is, doesn't like what he's having to say, doesn't like him having that reach and that influence. Listen, folks, we've got to start standing up and, and saying what we believe and standing on that. Decide, resolve, and then stand. That's what we've got to do. Join me on Sundays with Dr. Sean. Thank you for joining me today. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www dot blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor and follow dr sean on twitter 
at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>